These are the stories of The 116, a podcast from the heart of the First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, Illinois. This is where belief becomes action and action brings hope. Here's your host, Greg Fish. And we welcome you back for another edition. In fact, it's episode number 14 of stories from the 116. And uh, you would think by now this COVID shutdown thing would be well over and our patience is wearing so thin. We are beside ourselves to get back to something normal. And now our government's saying, oh, wait, there might be more coming. And we just, are you as confused as I am? I don't know who to believe. Uh, and trying to sort through all of this stuff, has, especially in ministry work, has been absolutely exhausting. So this week, we are going to address probably the question we get more than any other question these days here at First United Methodist Church. And uh, my guest today is Pastor Tim Osmond because his expertise on this subject will just leave you at the end of this podcast feeling like I now have all the answers that I need, right? You're, you're prepared for that, aren't you, Pastor? Oh, absolutely. I'm always ready to answer every question that's posed to me. <laughs> okay. So here's the question we get a lot, and this is going to be the topic of the podcast, that is, when are we going to reopen? And what's the deal with reopening? Now, we've, we've been able to enjoy together some outdoor worship services, and for a congregation of our size and of our worship mix, it's it's a huge effort. So once a month has been a, a huge effort, and our people have I mean, they've done a great job, haven't they, Pastor? They have. I appreciate everyone on staff, all of our volunteers, people who showed up last time at about 5.30 in the morning to begin setting up for that outdoor worship service in the parking lot, and just all of the work that went behind the scenes in order for that service to go almost as flawlessly as a worship service can when you're outside. You can't um, stop the wind from blowing. I I put in a request to the Lord early (laughs) on, um, and sometimes God turns, dials the air back, and sometimes it doesn't happen. Uh, But things just went very well outside. We uh, enjoyed worship together, and outdoors we're able to do some singing, which is an important piece of worship. And so I was very thankful for the services we've had and those who participated. So, and folks have asked, why can't you do them every week? And that kind of answers that question, but also, of course, getting into the heart of the question of today. And I'll just start with a a little broad statement to say, uh, I I want our listeners to understand something, and that is our pastor has what seems like to me a nearly impossible job to do in resolving these issues and answering these questions. And I've said in the pastor's chair myself in the past, so I, I recognize the pressures. And it's not that the pastor is trying to be political or trying to please as many people as possible. He ultimately answers to one boss, uh, and that's that's the Heavenly Father. But the uh, opinions on both sides of these are so strong, sharp, and unbending mm-hmm. that no matter what decisions are made, somebody is going to be mad. So I can, by the end of this podcast, you're either going to be happy or angry. And I'm not sure which one, but my guess is that this is, this is probably going to evoke more emotions in you than anything we've done uh, for a while. And I, sure. Why do you think that is, Pastor? Why are people so, uh, I don't know, so um, strongly and unbendingly opinionated on, on these issues? I, no, I think that's a good question. I, I was sitting, I was almost laughing out loud when you said that because I don't think we have to wait till the end of the podcast for people to be angry. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. people come to the beginning of the podcast right. and they're already already angry over a number of issues. Part of that has to do with the reality that our world has changed. It's different, and we have no control over that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, and as I've said often in the past, control is an illusion. We think we're in control until everything falls apart, and we realize how little control that we have on the outside world. And yes. we do have control over ourselves on the inside, and I know recently we've done that book of yours, um, Be Patient, Take Courage, and Don't Grumble. And the reality is in that book, you, you talk about the reality that um, we can't have control over our circumstances, but we do have control over how we pray to the Lord mm-hmm. and how we invite God into our life, no matter what situation we have, in order to help us be in control on the inside of us to, to take courage um, and be patient and not grumble. I know that's not what this podcast is about, but it's fresh on my mind. We've just recently done that. And thank you for the plug. Oh, you're, you're, more, than, <laughs> you're more than welcome. Go online now and download the book. Um, but, uh, but I think people are just stressed. Sure. And so that's causing some anxiety within people. Mm-hmm. And we want somebody to fix this for us. And so in the, with the church not being open, as and I argue that the church has been open. The building sure. has been closed. But the church has continued to exist through this pandemic. The church has always existed. It wasn't until 300 years after the death of Christ that the very first church building was built in in, uh, Constantinople uh, by Constantine. Until then, everybody met in in synagogues and used other spaces, and they met in homes. Now we have church buildings. Mm -hmm. But even when the church building is closed, we're still very much open. The church is still alive it's just not how we expect it to be. It's not what we really want because it's not what we're used to. And so people want control. They want somebody, if they can't be in control, then somebody fix it for me and you be in control, but just do what I need you to do, which is, right. you know, in this case, open the church. Right. Now, one of the, the comments that has come back to us perhaps more than any other, and and you know what word I'm about to bring out here. It's it's the first thing I think we need to address, and it's the word fear. And I think there's a big misunderstanding of fear because you know the Bible tells us not to be fearful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say don't be fearful enough to stick your hand in the rattlesnake pit. We need that kind of fear. Yes. God, God yeah. gave us fear for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I understand what they're saying that that they believe that by us not being open or by us following certain precautions or rules that we are living in fear. I wonder what your response is to that, Pastor. Well, on on the one hand, yeah, there is a certain amount of fear. And frankly, as you just pointed out, a certain amount of fear is healthy. It keeps us from walking on the edge of a cliff and hanging out over it, you know, um, and putting ourselves in danger. It keeps us from swimming across a you know a river that's just you know a torrent of water, sure. thinking I don't need to be afraid. I can you know swim right across it. It, it keeps us from doing really dumb things. Mm-hmm. And in this season with this pandemic, there is a virus. And by the way, it's killed 144,000 people in the United States alone. A hundred. Let that sink in for a moment. 144,000 during a normal flu season, anywhere from 45 to the highest number has been about 80,000 have died in the worst flu season that we've had. We've almost doubled that number just this flu season. And this flu season just seems to never end. It is the relative who came for the weekend, and they're still here. We can't get them to go home. Uh, It just won't go away. And so um, being afraid, when you think about that, a, a, a certain amount of fear that if I'm not cautious, if I don't manage the risk that is out there, I very well may either catch this pan, this disease myself, this virus, or I may share it with my family or with my grandparents or with others who are less able to fight off this particular um, virus. 
So a little bit of fear is is okay. And I would add, too, that in, in Scripture, um, you know, God says, fear not, for I am with you. And God never suggests to us that he's going to totally remove us out of harm's way. Right. We just don't need to be absolutely afraid, so afraid that we are paralyzed. We're unable to move forward. Not only is, are we not in the fight or flight piece, we've simply passed out, and now we're going to get mauled by whatever creatures out there that you know we're afraid of. God says, fear not, for I am with you, my rod and my staff. So those things that God has in place to protect us are with us. But if you read Psalm 23, you'll notice very quickly that God does not transport the psalmist from mountaintop to mountaintop. God says in the valley of the shadow of death, where the danger really is there, I will be with you, but I'm not just going to absolutely remove you out of that. Sure. So in this pan- pandemic, um, there is reason to be somewhat afraid so we don't do stupid things. On the other hand, we don't need to be so afraid that it absolutely paralyzes us. And I would suggest, too, that I think our church has done a, a really remarkable job of stepping up to the plate to not allowing this pandemic to absolutely paralyze us. I mean, we very quickly moved to online worship services, online Sunday school classes, small groups, youth and children's activities, vacation Bible school this way, this week, a year, and six ways to praise were all online. And we've just done a remarkable job of not being paralyzed by our fear, but trying to figure out what, how can we move forward and still be the church. It has been interesting to watch the staff here step up and put in so many more additional hours to make this work, to minister in a time when it's so difficult and we have to be so so creative. So another question that comes around then is, well, so many other churches are opening, or sometimes you have the person who says every other church is opening, sure. which is an illusion. But mm-hmm. but why aren't we, with all that the other churches opening, why isn't First United Methodist Church in Peoria open yet? Well, and that's a, and that's a great question question. Part It has to do with a lot of things. Some of it has to do with where we are in the country and who our governor is, who our particular bishop happens to be. Mm-hmm. And while, by the way, I've, I've been asked, why are you just listening to the governor and why are you just listening to the bishop? Um, one, because one has uh, is my boss, mm-hmm. um, and, and the other is um, I, we didn't want to put the church in jeopardy of, of being shut down altogether because we were disobedient early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, to what the uh, governor governor's recommendations and and frankly what it wasn't a recommendation it was a mandate this is mm-hmm. we're in stage one we're going to shut everything down you can't have gatherings of more than 10 people our church happens to average um, close to 700 in average attendance on a weekend and with that large of a number um, 10 and under that's not going to happen uh, with 700 in average attendance sure so some churches have been able to go back. Um, the next phase up was 25 or less, and now I think we're under 50 or less who are able to gather together in, in worship services. Some, many of our churches, the average size of a church is 52, by the way, in the United mm. States, wow. which means there are some churches that are mega churches they are running 20,000, uh, but then there's a whole lot of churches that are 50 and less mm-hmm. in average attendance. So they've been able to go back. Under underneath the the law under the guidelines, um, very fairly early on, and if you were a church, and we've got quite a few churches out there that are twelve in average attendance or less, they've almost never had to shut down. But we're six hundred and fifty, seven hundred on a weekend, which means that in order for us um, at fifty even to open up 
to uh, to worship, it would mean we would have to have twelve worship services on a weekend in order to accommodate wow. the average attendance. And we we do on Sunday morning we do four worship services, and I do three of them, and then um, Pastor Adrian does the the bilingual Renovavo service. And just doing three services wears me out. Sure. I can't imagine doing 12, <laughs> 12 worship services right. uh, on, on Sunday morning. And that's why we've not opened yet. We are now at a place where we can have 25% of the space, um, uh, seating capacity of that space, which means that we can have around 100, maybe 125, depending on what space you're talking about. So in the sanctuary and worship center, each of them could hold about 100 to 125 people. You have to be able to have enough time in between worship services to uh, clean, to wipe down. Um, you have to wear a mask if you're at the church. It's one of the requirements that has been given to us, and, and I, frankly, we're in agreement with because masks help to mitigate how much air and how much of the virus you'd be putting into the air. One of the things they've discovered is that while surfaces will um, hold this virus up to three days on most, you know, pristine surface, well, uh, the ver- virus can stay alive for about three days. It's really not surface-to-face contact, although that is a problem. Most of it is by the amount of the virus in the air. So when you mm. breathe, okay. and especially when you sing, you're projecting mm. all of this virus. The virus tends to live in large quantities in your sinal cavities, Mm. Sinus cavities in your throat and in your lungs, so it's a respiratory illness. Sure. So when when you breathe all of that out, you're just putting this virus out there for others then to breathe in, mm. which is why masks help. They're not the total solution to anything, but they do help um, from spreading the virus. So they recommend, by the way, not singing. So another reason why we've not gone just immediately back to worship indoors is that indoors the recommendation is there be no singing really at all, and we're going to try our hardest to have some very limited singing with masks on, asking people to sing not in full voice, and have a trio or a quartet way up in the very back of the choir loft in order to bring us music in the morning. But even when we go back, worship is not going to look like what it did pre-virus. And Singing is just such an important part of how we worship. Even in sure. Acts chapter 2, it talks about the early church met together, they broke bread, they sang hymns or psalms from the book of Psalm, and then um, they um, uh, shared together what was called a love feast. They, mm-hmm. they ate together. And so worship, uh, really, from the very beginning, and even in the Old Testament, all of it had music. Da- David dances before the Lord. And he wasn't dancing because there wasn't any music. He was dancing because somebody was singing, and he's mm-hmm. dancing before the Lord. And so music has just been such an important part of worship. And we want to make sure when we go back that worship feels really like worship. Sure, sure. Now, am, am I correct that you have been in touch with some of the other larger churches in the community to kind of gauge uh, what their response has been and how the people have responded? What What are we finding on a on a community basis as far as openings and people's response? Yeah, I have been in in touch with them, uh, with other United Methodist churches, the larger ones in Illinois, and we've met on a Zoom uh, meeting about four times now, I think, just to pray for one another and talk about how how's it going. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them have already opened back up. Mm-hmm. 
Um, most of them are experiencing about 30 to 33, 35% of their average attendance actually coming back. And so two-thirds of their church are not returning to worship right now. They're, they're afraid. Now, an interesting thing, by the way, is Tony Morgan did some research about a month ago, and he asked um, how many church members would want to go, want the, how many church members want their church open? And it was about 60 to 70% of church members said, oh, we want our church open. And then he asked, how many of you gone back to church since your church opened? And only a third of them did. So while the majority of the people want the church doors open, only half of that number um, are feeling comfortable enough to actually go back and sit in worship service. So the largest church, by the way, the, the biggest number is from uh, St. Matt's down in O'Fallon, Illinois, in Belleville. Okay. And they opened back up. Of course, their sanctuary seats, I think around 1,500 people or close to 2,000 mm. when they did their calculations. And they actually had about 55% of their church actually return to worship. But again, it's only, when you think of it, it's only 55%, 45% chose not sure. to come back to worship yet. But that's a great number of, of people who are going back to worship. Well, and what we found here is not unusual to what people around the country are finding, and that is that our online attendance, that is the people watching, has been far greater. In fact, I think for us it's been around three times greater than the average attendance. So not only is there a desire for people to, to stay connected in worship, it's it's being effective, and it's reaching more people than we ever had by meeting. Not that we shouldn't meet, but that's right. been an interesting side factor here. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess... This leads into the, the big question, and that is, what are we going to do? What's the plan for First United Methodist Church to reopen? So our plan is we are going to have another outdoor worship service the second Sunday in August. Actually, it's going to be coming up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And shortly after that, um, what part of what we're doing is we are looking at what are the schools going to be doing in the fall. Okay. And and our hope is is that either sometime in in late August or early September, we will be back to or potentially three worship services on Sunday morning. That's what we're looking at. Uh, uh, one, potentially. So mm-hmm. don't quote, you know, don't hold me to this because we don't know what might happen with the numbers sure. uh, uh, of, uh, of infections going up or down. But we're looking at an 8.30 worship service, um, our traditional worship service, at probably a 10 o'clock uh, combined contemporary Renew and Renovable worship service at okay. the same time. Because the praise band does both of those services, anyways, and um, and I'm hopeful that uh, Pastor Aiden will be able to preach that service. He does a wonderful job. He used to preach at the Renew Worship Service um, back uh, back a, a couple of years ago, and then we'll have an eleven o'clock traditional service again. So that will give us plenty of time in between our two traditional worship services to clean and get things ready, and allow us to have um, people coming and going not right on top of each other. Um, and so our hope is, is that we'll have room for about uh, 350, 375 people. But again, that's only half of what our norm, normal numbers are on a Sunday morning. By the way, when we've done our outdoor worship service, we've had 225 in attendance, mm-hmm. and that's about a third, about 33% of our average Sunday morning worship attendance. So again in August, second Sunday in August, we're going to have another outdoor worship service, weather permitting, and we'll celebrate worship together. And the nice thing about the outdoor service is we are allowed to sing. Um, and sure. so we can we can have our congregation sing. And the reason for that is, by the way, according 
to a couple of physicians who served on our reopening team. Mm-hmm. They said that outdoor, um, what you have benefit of is the sun, which gives you UV lights, ultraviolet light, which actually helps to kill the virus. And so even though you're putting, you know, your the virus in the air when you're singing, and we're asking people to remain masked even outdoors, um, it's uh, most of it because the wind is blowing through, it's it's keeping it off of, you know, away from people. And the sun's actually helping to, to get rid of some of the virus. And by the way, you alluded to something there that I realized was important to, to mention as soon as possible, and that is a reopening team. And that is, it's important to know this is not something you're carrying on your shoulders alone, but you have formed a very good authoritative team. Can you tell us uh, just briefly about the team? Yeah, sure. So uh, Diane Bro, she's our, our office and facility manager, so she's on that team. Uh, we've got the chair of the trustees on the team, the chair, I think the chair of the SPRC is on the team. We've got two physicians who are part of our church. They're on that team as well, and then a handful of other people who are key to our worship here, um, uh, Doug and and uh, Grogan, who's uh, one of our worship directors, he's on the team, and myself. And so it's really a, a really very good team. And so we have people who are, who are both looking at what worship ought to look like, but we also have physicians and others who understand the science uh, behind this particular virus. And so they're helping us navigate how to move forward. And I'll say, by the way, we've not reinvented the wheel. We're working on a policy on some protocol when people come back. We're not reinventing the wheel. Both the CDC, uh, you know, the um, health department uh, for Illinois State, and our conference office, plus uh, we've got some policies and, and procedures from our insurance company as well. And we're collating all of those together to figure out how we at Peoria First navigate being back in worship together and in the building. Yes. Now, uh, let's move into the, the potential of, of opening. Do we have, do we know of what kind of timeline we might be looking at here then? Or is that something that we're able to talk about yet? So we're just kind of playing it by ear, week by week. How, how are we approaching that? Yeah, we're, we're approaching it week by week. Um, we're targeting, as I said, sometime in late August or early oh, September. Yes. Right, right. Part of that reason is, is there's things that we've got to get in place in order to go back sure. to worship. Um, as you can imagine, we've got a great big facility here, mm-hmm. and we have, we have turned off um, parts of the building, not the, all the electricity to it, but we've shut down, you know, air and, you know, in parts of the building. Um, and, and um, we've also been working on some things indoors, that uh, on some doors that needed some repair and things. So there's some things before we open up. We got to get squared back away again gotcha, in gotcha. order to open. So so don't hold our feet to the fire on that, but understand that it's something that we're working with as a as a vision, perhaps to make happen. Absolutely. So my, again, my hope is sooner than later, mm-hmm. um, but. Part of it, we're waiting on the the uh, governor's office to to continue to let us know what phase we're in. Gotcha. Because because even though even though God is the one to whom I ultimately have to answer to, God's word says that I'm also supposed to pay attention to those who are in authority over me. Sure. And for me, by the way, that's a spiritual discipline. Mm. Um, mm. It it's not about me being able to just um, you know say I've got all these freedoms and I can just run and do what I want. Well, frankly, that's what a person who lives in the world says. I can do whatever I want. I don't need God. And it's what Adam and Eve said when God said, don't eat of the fruit of the tree. Sure. But, oh, well, you know, who's God to tell us what we can do? 
And so really original sin is about saying, I don't need anybody to tell me my business. Right. When the reality is I need Jesus to always be telling me my business sure, because he far better understands the circumstances than I do. Wow. That, and that statement right there alone just really is, a, I think, a deep thing to contemplate and think about. So I, I want to talk about what our procedures might look yeah. like, but let me just start with the, uh, I think, again, the, the next obvious thing that's going to come up. There's going to be somebody who says, you're not going to tell me to wear a mask. That's, that's a hard one to speak into. What, what is our response going to be to that? Man, that's a great question. In fact, it's one that our, our reopening committee is really wrestling with because um, nobody wants to be the mask police. Right. I, none of us. That's you know. Nor do I. Nor do I want to see Peoria first on on Facebook or YouTube with a video of <laughs> of somebody being drug out because they weren't wearing a mask. That's, right, right. That would not be be helpful. Be awfully funny at some point later down the road. Sure. But in the moment, wouldn't be very funny at all. Well, we don't, and you know, again, we don't want to just tell people how they have to live. That's not what we're asking. I'd rather like to reframe the the issue and say that we're we're not absolutely mandating that people just have to wear a mask. You know, and why are you doing that to me? I'd rather talk about we're asking you to be considerate as a Christian of other people. Jesus said one of the most important commandments. There's only two of them. And he said, one of them is love your neighbors, you love yourself. And if you really love your neighbors, you love yourself, then you're going to try to do the best you can for them. Not, it's not mm. about your rights. It's not about, about you. It's yes. about them. Yes. And if wearing a mask helps them, one, feel a little safer, even if you don't believe masks work, but you know that wearing a mask is going to make them feel far more comfortable and that they might actually return to worship because they feel they're being cared for. Then please wear a mask. Yes. And the reality is, good science tells you that that mask does help mitigate part of the risk of spreading that virus. And if you love your neighbors yourself, then please just wear the mask. Even if you don't like it, sometimes you do things that are uncomfortable because you love someone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, uh, I'm asked to, to watch a TV show that's not my favorite show. In fact, I just do not watch it, but I do it because I love my family because it's what my children wanted to watch, or it's what my wife wanted to watch. And, and because I want to spend time with them, I'm willing to endure. <laughs> <laughs> the Lifetime Channel. And, yeah. and by the way, my wife does the same for, for yeah, me. There's things great. sometimes yeah. I want to watch that she's like, oh, I don't know if I can stand this. But she does it because she loves me. Sure. So for me, wearing a mask is not about your rights or my rights or freedom or anything else you might add to it. Just think of it as your Christian responsibility, especially in the church to care for those who are less able um, to mitigate this risk on their own, meaning that their immune system might be compromised. They may be taking chemotherapy treatments right now, and mm-hmm. they just feel like, you know what, I need to be in church to worship God with God's people today. Mm-hmm. And their immune system can't handle this virus. So love them enough. Gotcha. Just to go ahead and wear that mask. That's great. Thank, yeah, thank you for speaking to that. So what will it look like then? The, the day we come back, the day the church reopens, what can we expect? So the day we come back, part of what we can, what you can expect is that we were going to greet you warmly at the door, mm-hmm. and we're going to be very thankful you're here. We're going to ask that you, before you come, that you go online or call the church in order to make a reservation, because we can only have 25% of any uh, space filled. And so we're going to... Unfortunately, or you know, have to ask. Please call ahead 
make that reservation or sign up online. Let us know what service you're coming to. Uh, there will be a, a staff member at the door in order to check off that you w- were here um, because we're required by the CDC um, to keep a record of who was in attendance. Oh. In case there should be an outbreak, they need to be able to contact people in order to say, hey, you were in a situation where we know someone else were sitting next to you who had you know, the coronavirus and you need to go get checked. So uh, that's not necessarily what we want to do. It's what's mandated of us. But if we really care for people, we're going to want to be able to get that information to them if they need it. So when you come in, if you've not already in advance signed up, or we may ask you to to sign on a a sheet that you're here today, give us your phone number and your email address, we are going to be taking temperatures um, because it's important that we – that if we have somebody who has a temperature of 100, 100.5 or greater, that you need to go home. It's not because we don't love you or care for you. It's just that the the virus is really spread. When you've got a fever, it's an indication that you're actually both potentially have the virus, but also you are at the most risk of infecting other people because the virus is at its peak, and your body is trying to fight that virus off. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we would need to politely ask you to, to, to go home and, and take care of yourself and to take care of your loved ones who are around you. Um, then uh, going into uh, upstairs, then uh, you'll notice on the floors there'll be spots or tape that will indicate six feet apart. So as you're trying to get into the worship center or into the cha- uh, sanctuary, we're going to ask that you remain socially distanced. Our ushers will help you find your seats that are in there and we'll spread you out as best we can. In fact, you'll notice when you come, that on the pews you shouldn't see, sit in will have tape across them. And we'll ask you to remain um, masked during the worship service. Again, my hope is is that by the time we get back to being in service in four, three, four, five weeks, whenever it is, that we'll actually be able to have some limited singing by the congregation. I just can't imagine worship right. without being able to sing. Sure. And uh, although I'll tell you, being the pastor up front looking out at the congregation, (laughs) (laughs) that not everybody sings. And for this, we give God thanks, by the way. (laughs) Yes, some probably shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. I always, I've always prayed over the years, by the way, uh, Lord, uh, just give me voice enough to sing, but not voice enough to to uh, really offend my my neighbors sitting next to me, um, <laughs> oh. so but but hopefully we will be able to sing uh, uh-huh. some limited, and we will need to do that mask again to mitigate the amount of the virus that we could be putting in the air if we're contagious. So we need to make sure we're doing that. So that's what it's kind of going to look like. Offering plates will be in the back of the the um, sanctuary and the worship center near the door, so you can make your offering either coming in or going out. We won't be, obviously, passing plates. Um, and uh, and so that will be different than what we're used to and expecting. Uh-huh. We will have bulletins, and the staff members will be putting the bulletin on a table for you to pick up and bring in with you. Please don't leave those in the pew. Take them with you. Throw them away or take them home with you. They should have announcements on the back that you might want to be aware of. But don't please don't leave them in the pew because in between services we're going to have to clean in there. Right. Both pew in the pews, the hymnals and the Bibles have all been removed um, because of the risk of of people um, actually picking up the hymnal. And if we are able to sing, you've now breathed all over that hymnal, and you're going to leave it, you know, as a gift for the next person sure, who comes in. Sure. So we're going to avoid that. But we've had the words to all of the music, all of the liturgy, 
all of the prayers, all of that's on the screen anyway. So you've really not had to open up a hymnal for a number of he- years here, unless you just wanted to. And But in this season, we're not going to be able to do that. Gotcha. And, and there, there's no gathering space open, no coffee service, no no uh, donut service. Correct. Yeah, all of that will be postponed in, until we're able to do so safely. Um and uh, and I think we do we do a good job I know of cleaning and we've got really great people who take care of all of those things, but that's one of those higher risk areas when you're serving food or when you're actually gathering together. And I tell you, as Christians, we love one another. We want to sure. we want to hug. Sure. We want to shake hands. We you know we we just want to greet each other in a in an affectionate you know, appropriately affectionate way. But the reality is, in this season, is we just cannot do that. And again, we can't do it not because we don't love each other. It's because we do love each other, and we just don't want to run the risk of of sharing what we've got with someone else. So we'll have to kind of develop a new tradition like distant hugging or something like that to make it work that we can speak affection to one another. I, I guess, and you know, again, Jesus said, love your neighbors, you love yourself, or maybe you hug yourself and say, hey, I love you too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and briefly here before we go, yeah. uh what about children's ministry and Sunday school classes? We uh, all Sunday school classes will be postponed until further notice. We just can't put people in a small room and and think that that's going to be a safe thing. Now, I know uh, schools are talking about going back, um, and and we will base some of what we do on what the school systems are doing. But at this point, we don't think that's going to happen. We probably, and I'm hopeful that we will be able to offer a nursery and something for young children during the worship service um, because we think that uh, we'll have low enough numbers and we can spread them out amongst rooms and have enough workers that we'll be able to keep them well socially distanced and that we would be able to hand out um, just a small number of toys for them to play with, all of which would be sanitized and washed before the next group or put away and other toys brought out while that uh, those toys are being being taken care of in a in a safe manner sure. until they might be used again after we've sanitized them. So again, no Sunday school classes, no adult Sunday school classes, no gathering space in the gathering area upstairs. Um, but we might have, and I'm hopeful that we'll have some limited nursery and some small child care. Okay, and uh, the online content will continue for now, or I assume we'll be live streaming the services rather than pre-recording. At that point, is that pretty much the plan when this happens? I think that's pretty much the plan. There's some some conversation right now about what we could do in order to continue to keep our online production. And I'm not a big fan of that word when you're talking about church, but you understand what I'm saying. Sure. To keep uh, it the very best that we can keep it, Uh which means that we might be pre-recording some pieces. We may continue to pre-record the announcements and even show that video during live worship here at the church as well as be able to broad, cut, broadcast that live out uh, to those who are watching live. One of the interesting things, though, Greg, you know that we found is that we don't have as many people um, watching us on Sunday morning as we do throughout the week. Uh-huh. I mean, we have right. over six, 700 people per service, so we're on Facebook, YouTube, and Vimeo, and Vimeo is the link that we have with our website. And we have, I don't know, I don't know, six, seven, 800 people who are watching throughout the week, so they're kind of choosing a la carte when they want to worship, uh-huh. which is a fantastic thing. So we will continue to offer live broadcast on Sunday morning 
as well as provide some uh, uh, archiving of those. So if you want to, if you happen to miss because you work that Sunday, or you just don't feel comfortable coming back yet, and by the way, that's okay. There is right. no, there is no judgment on anybody either for coming to church. And aren't you foolish for doing that in a pandemic? Uh-huh. There's no judgment on you for that, nor is there judgment on you if you remain home. And so we will continue to provide the mo- the best worship services online we can, and you can choose to watch that live with us or jo- join us at a later time in worship. So I think what, in wrapping this up, what, what we need to tell people is we can't really control what the retail establishments are doing. We can't really control what other churches are doing. We are just prayerfully doing the best we can with some good advice to put together a, a worship experience as soon as as uh, permissible to do so. Absolutely. The only last thing that I would add is that, um, and I've said this before, I think at a council meeting, I said, you know, we are tired of this virus, but this virus apparently is not tired of us. Yes. And so I understand some of the frustration about why aren't we back? Why aren't we doing this, that, something else? But the reality is, is this virus has not gone away. And while I do not want to wait until it's absolutely safe to go back to worship, because there is no such thing, as long as you're on planet Earth, there is no such thing as risk-free. But I do not want to go back to worship until we can figure out how best to manage the risk that we're going to have when we're finally back together. And I am prayerful that that's going to happen sooner than later. And with that word you just used, Pastor, I wonder, would you offer a prayer for us in in all of these things we've talked about today? as we close? Sure, I sure will. Let's pray together. Almighty God, I just come to you right now, and I just ask on behalf of your church, it is your church. These are your people, Lord, your children that you, through your son Jesus Christ, have bought um, with a high price. They belong to you, and you know they're hurting. And so today, Lord, I just ask that you would bless them. Help, Lord, them not to be so fearful that they get paralyzed and unable to move forward in any fashion. And yet, Lord, help them remain very much aware that they need to take good care of their family and friends and neighbors and love them enough to do the right thing. I pray, Lord, that you help them not be frustrated right now because some, Lord, are out of work. Some haven't been able to go back yet. Others, Lord, are frustrated because we can't go back to church. But, God, I just pray, help them to be patient in these days. Give them the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to hold their heads high and to see where you're leading us and remind them, Lord, that you are with us, even if we can't see you in the moment. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Pastor Tim Osmond, directing pastor of First United Methodist Church, the Reverend Doctor. When you got your doctorate, you never thought that you would be facing a day like this, did you? I did. (laughs) I did not. I did not. And I I am trying to avoid the the temptation to say, I am a doctor, by the way. <laughs> That's good. Uh, thank you, Pastor Tim Osmond, and thank you all for listening to today's uh, uh, episode number 14 of Stories from the 116. We ask that you please leave a review on your podcast provider for us. Uh, we, we like those positive reviews. Those help others to find us and share us and like us when you see us pop up on social media as well. That also helps us to get out the word. Thank you so very much for joining us. And I'm Greg Fish for Stories from the 116.
You've been listening to the stories of the 116 from our studio at First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, Illinois. You can find the show notes or contact us with your questions and comments through our website at www.fumcpeoria.org.